and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor, and I'm, look, believe it or not, I'm not in Sydney, I'm not in our studio today, through the magic of technology, I'm right up, up, up in beautiful, sunny Queensland. And it's a miserable day. Hunter, are you there? <laughs> yes, mate, I'm here and I've stolen your camera. So there you go. Um, yeah. Welcome, listeners. So glad you've joined us today. I don't see any... Uh, um, let, let's start off like we normally do our, our shows. I don't see any countdown going on up here, brother. Oh. I don't know whether that's because you've forgotten or whether it's not working. Yes, it's working. It's oh, working, horror, Hunty. We're off, we're, we're off to a great start. What's the weather like down there? Mate, um, I've been hiding here in the studio since early this morning, so I guess I could just say it's probably grey and cool. It's grey here. It's not that cold. But it's a very unlikely Queensland day. But it's good to be home. I'm actually up here uh, looking after my mother for a few days. She's not well. My brother's gone to Bali. He normally cares for her. He's her carer. He's in Bali on holidays. Lucky guy, Steve, if you listen to us. A big <laughs> shout-out to you in Bali. I'm back here looking for mum. And my mum is actually very sick, hunty. You're a good boy, um, Lloyd. You're a very good boy. Yeah, no, I've just, I've just brought her home from the doctors. I think I got here, what, 10, 15 minutes before this radio show started today. Yep. And, uh, yep, if you're, if, if you're a person of prayer, I'd appreciate you praying for my mum because, uh, she's facing at 82 years of age some pretty serious times in her life. Uh, the last chapters are not always easy, hunty. That's right. First um, and last. Yep. Yeah, I guess you know that. But we're glad you're here today. I'm going to change things up a bit. We want to welcome you. I, I, I want to welcome you wherever you are. I was uh, just uh, thinking this morning, how many places does Faith FM go to? Must ask uh, an update from our mate when he comes on board with us again. Um, well, my computer, says, us- my computer says 128 stations right now um, have taken their feed. All over Australia. That's right. Yeah. Problem is, some of them aren't real strong. I know the one in Sydney is not real strong. We'd like to we'd like to be a bit stronger, wouldn't we? Hunter? We've actually got, I think, about four or five in Sydney, but they're right out on the edges, out towards the Blue Mountains. We really need some transmitters in the middle of town. And and do we need some transmitters to have a bit more, like a, a V8s instead of two cylinders? Well, yeah. I mean, it'd be really nice if we could have some, you know, some twenty thousand watt transmitters. I think we're down around the hundreds of watts, maybe. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we could certainly oh, well. improve. One day we pray for that. Hey, Hunty, talking about yeah, prayers, I said I'm going to switch things up a bit. Would you like to open with the prayer today? Of course. Um, let's pray Thank for you, it. mate. Yeah, my pleasure. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'd like to pray for our listeners this afternoon that you'll bless them. We love them all, Lord, and we love you. And I pray that you'll wrap your loving arms around our listeners, give them peace, grant them to every desire, Lord. And I pray for my mate Lloyd while he's in Queensland doing this great work with his mum. I pray that you'll bless him today as he happens the Bible and blesses all of our listeners. So thank you, Lord, for being with us. I pray all these prayers in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, mate. Uh, this day in history. Okay. It's a beauty. In 1859, I just love this. And how appropriate that I'm in Queensland to announce this. 
1859, Queensland is established as a separate colony from New South Wales. <laughs> Good. Yay! Good. This Good. is... Be gone this is, Goodbye. <laughs> this, this is Queensland Day, and that happened in this day... June 6, 1859. And here's the good news. From 1860, how long is that? 1859 to 1860, how long is that, Humpty? One year. <laughs> From one year after we were established, I think we have defeated and beaten New South Wales in every state of origin since. Oh, my goodness. So that, that is just an amazing thing and a <laughs> wonderful day, especially on the back of another Queensland state of origin win last week, one I didn't bother to watch, but when I woke up the next day and heard the news, it was a great rejoicing and happiness <laughs> in the Grolleman household. I, I very, very quickly got a... Uh, a text off to Hunty to let him know that we still sit on top of the pile. That's <laughs> Queensland being a Queenslander. And all you Queenslanders out there listening today, God bless you. A big hurrah to you. This is Queensland Day. And again, a big yay and a cheer. I think, you like that one, Hunty? I think, I think you're off air, mate. I think I hit mute somewhere in there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the only thing you can do, being from New South Wales and our, uh, the proverbial whipping boys of our state of origin team. Uh, 1868, yes. Robert Scott. I always like to say, have you heard of him? You heard of him? No, Hunty? I, I, have, have. I haven't, no. Uh, he's a, a very famous explorer, born in Devon on this day. He died actually in 1912, got stuck down in Antarctic somewhere and died of, well, he froze to death for want of a better way, kind of froze to death and starved to death. It's, it's a story a, no, oh, a story for another day, but he was a great English explorer. 1930, what about this one, Hunty? Yeah. Uh, frozen food is sold in American stores for the first time. Wow. That's hey, cool. Interesting. Do you think frozen vegetables or fresh vegetables are best? Well, obviously fresh is best, but, mate, I'm I'm really lazy. I love to not have to peel and prepare. I love to just no, go to the freezer no, and grab no, them. No, no, no. Apparently, I'll oh, look this up. Really? Frozen vegetables are better than fresh because they're snap frozen and they have more goodness, more of the vitamins or more of the rivet, whatever they call them, all oh. the different things that make veggies. So, and I'm a big veggie fan. Are frozen, snap, solid, and they have more goodness in them than the ones you buy. Mate, in if you were here in the studio with me now, the smugness is palpable. <laughs> <laughs> From me or you? No, uh, from me because I only eat frozen vegetables. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good stuff. Uh, 1942, uh, the US wins the Battle of Midway against the Japanese and saved Australia. Truly, Australia was saved on this day, June 6, 1942, uh, because the US went into battle and uh, they won the Battle of Midway. In fact, they sunk four Japanese carriers, the Akoji, the, I'm sure I'm saying this wrong, the Koga, the Sairayu, and the Heruyu. They're all sunk. And so was the American carriers Yorktown and the destroyer Haman. So a lot of people died on this day, but they, historians say this was the day Australia was saved from a Japanese invasion. And then it gets even more interesting, that, because in 1944, on this day, June 6, 160,000 Allied soldiers landed in Normandy in the D-Day invasion. Hmm, interesting. Big day, isn't it? Big day indeed. Yeah, 1968, Robert Kennedy was assassinated by a guy called Saran Saran. I don't know if you say that rightly, whether I say that right. Is it Sirhan Sirhan or don't Sirhan know, Sirhan? No, don't know. Never I think it. it might be Sirhan Sirhan. Anyway, he was a Palestinian activist and he uh, shot Robert Kennedy. He was on the hustings for the Democratic presidency only a year or two after uh, his brother, JFK, had been shot. It was a very sad day there. Um, in, in, North, in South Korea, 
Korea, not North Korea, South Korea. It's, it's Memorial Day. That's their national day. It's also the national day of Sweden. And as I said at the beginning of this program, just so you never forget, it's also hunting. Tell us what it is. Huh? Huh? Qu- Queensland Day. <laughs> no. Some births, 1901 births on May, on June 6th, Sukarno. You ever heard of him? Nope. Very famous Indonesian president. I knew about him before my girl Lizzie, who I married, is Indonesian. It was his birthday, born 1901. Be on Borg. Who? Which Auntie, come which, on. which Be Borg? Be on Borg. Be on Borg. Leon? Be on. No. I know a tennis player named Borg. That's right. Be on Borg. Oh, is it Beyond? Oh, you mean Beyond? Yeah, well, I said Beyond. How do you say it? Oh, I thought you said Beyond. It's Beyond. But yeah, same guy. Got it. Got it, got it, yeah, got it. Got and it. 1990, don't know much about this girl. Her birthday, Emma Watson. Mm-hmm. She's a famous uh, Hollywood actress. Yeah, don't know much about her. Uh, 1799, Patrick Henry died. He's a guy who said, famous American libertarian, uh, was around in the Revolutionary War. He's the one who said, give me liberty or give me death. He was a governor of Virginia. Uh, 1961, Carl Jung. Is that how you say it? He died. He's a great psychologist. You know him, Hunty? Carl Jung. And in 1973, Annie Bancroft, uh, who was a famous actor, she died. So there you go, Hunty. That's this day in history. What's wow. on today, mate? Mate, we've who got have a we got as yeah, special we, guest. We have a great program lined up today. We've got. Um, you say we have a great program every week. Well, we do. Um, do we have a great program every week? Uh, not every week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, is your okay. heart in your mouth today with me up there and you down there? And, no, no. and guests coming in from everywhere. No, no, no. I'm actually, I'm actually quite relaxed, which is surprising. Okay. But, okay. but no, all T- is good. Tell us any. Tell so, us yes, anyway. So who's coming look, on we've today? We've got, got a couple I of guests. Yeah, no worries. We've got a couple of good guests coming on this afternoon. We've got um, um, Harold Harker. He's a regular. We'd love to hear from him. We've also got a special guest. His name is Michael Worker. Now, let me just quickly get you his title. General he, Secretary he, of Director the, of Public Affairs of and Union. Religious Liberty. Yes, he's yeah. got some very interesting things to tell us about I'm the Bible hit him with some and sexuality. Questions. Yeah, yeah some I bet you are. Questions. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. So we are glad you're here now, Hunty. You're looking at me. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. Are yeah. we going to do this thing? We are. Let's go. Okay. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This first song comes from Hymns of Praise, which is pretty famous English. I think they play it on Sunday BBC program that plays some of the most famous songs, both contemporary and old hymns in Christianity. They play it every Sunday. And every now and again, they get together in the Royal Albert Hall. Have you ever? I like asking Hunty these questions because he's such a traveller. Have you ever been to the Royal Albert Hall, mate? Mate, I have been very, very blessed. I have been to the Royal Albert Hall um, a few times and heard some amazing So you concerts. went in it for a show? I he, Look, you haven't even going to be able to believe this. I actually got to go to one of the final prom night concerts, which was just that the best me. thing ever. Of course you've been. <laughs> not, not only that, it's one of my favourite stories because I scalped the ticket. Um, the guy didn't want the ticket because it was next to the big base organ pipe. police listening... Isn't scalping illegal? Have we got, I don't know. If it's, like if it's illegal in London, good luck. <laughs> anyway, I got this ticket cheap because it was next to the organ pipe up in the orchestra, and that's my favourite spot. Is anyway, that why you're deaf today? Is that where it started? <laughs> Pardon? What? Huh? Um, let's, that- get, <laughs> let's get on with it. Shine. Shall we get on with it? <laughs> shine. Yeah, shine. Jesus, Jesus shine. shine. One of the great songs. 
song. Like that song. Oh, yeah. Always been a good song. Beautiful song, um, yep. You know, when I'm listening to the music up here in Queensland, Hunty, it's all crackly and I'm hearing little bits of it at a time. My, my voice is all right down there, the isn't voice it? Is you hear me clear? Yeah, as long as you don't get too loud, your voice is perfect. Thank you. So why am I, why am I, what's happening up my end? Why is it so all why over the place? <laughs> why are you not enjoying the blessing of the music? That's a good yeah. question. I don't know the answer. Sorry, mate. Maybe I'm pumping it too hard up your way. Oh, I doubt it. Um, it's beautiful. Our listeners are getting it in full glorious stereo. Yeah, good, good. Okay, as long as you can hear yeah. clearly, I, yeah. don't, I don't really matter. I'll have a crack um, at adjusting it down a bit next for the next song. No, nah, doesn't matter. I don't really mind. Um, Apple releases some new stories. Apple releases first mixed spatial reality computer headset, Hunty. What's that about? Oh, my goodness. This is very, very, very exciting. Where do I begin? Okay, so... Imagine putting on some... I wasn't, I, I wasn't so excited when oh, I heard it. Imagine putting on some you, you ski wanna, goggles. You want, just before we even get into it, you want to know why I wasn't excited? Yeah, why weren't you excited? It's like three and a half, four thousand dollars this thing. Come on, Apple. Oh, it's worse than that, my brother. It's three and a half it's thousand US. That. It's five thousand Aussie dollars. It's dis- oh, it's not. I'm, I'm not buying one. No, you can't convince me, but have a go. Okay, I'll have a go. So, imagine putting on a normal set of ski goggles, like... Um, you would for snow skiing. But imagine being able to see through the goggles at the entire world. So you can wander around the streets, the city, the parks, the oceans, the beaches. You'd look but weird. Also, you've got a you full... You'd look weird. <laughs> Let me cut to you when you say that. What was that? <laughs> You'd look weird. Yeah, yeah, You'd yeah. You'd look weird. So, so you've also got enhanced digital reality. So you can look at something and with a, a gesture of your finger, it'll tell you what it is, what it was built and who built it or whatever you can summons up music and movies you can summons up uh, directions and graphics um, can you play games on it? you can play games if you're sitting in your lounge room yeah. and if you if you don't if you don't want to have a television you can sit there and you can say you know hey siri give me a 65 inch screen or perhaps a 100 inch screen and you can just sit in your, in your comfortable lounge chair and have your own personal large humongous screen and you can say oh, okay. is it 3d no it's not 3d but it's is that, ultra is that high coming? resolution is that coming 3d and these sorts i don't of know things? i don't know about 3d if you look at my um my youtube channel it's 3d hunty and i made that 20 years ago <laughs> i'm still not making 3d videos but anyway it's the it'll be the most glorious thing it'll allow you to have it, i mean if you've got a tiny little tv and a tiny little flat You'll be able to sit in bed, turn this thing on and say, give me an IMAX screen. And in the comfort of your own little space, you, you can enjoy you know, walking out in nature or a movie, whatever you like. I think it'll be fantastic. So the question is, are you going to buy one? Oh, $5,000 is a pretty limiting factor. But you know what? I'll make, um, what's his name from Facebook Meta? He's, brought, he's bringing out one for $1,500. So that's going to give Apple's tree a bit of a shake. Is it as good as the Apple one? Um, well, Zuckerberg's got got crazy big plans for his. He'll he'll have um, chat rooms where you can walk in and sit down with your friends and talk about things, and not only be hearing them but be seeing them. Uh, his virtual reality uh, predictions are massive. So, I think between Apple and Zuckerberg, they'll be quite the race on to give us a huge three D augmented reality world. You know what, Hunty? Yeah. I've got to tell you something, mate. Yeah. Two words, and I'm, I'm genuine when I say this. Not interested. <laughs> well, I was thinking I, that. 
I'm not interested. Well, I saw this in the in the headlines today. I was thinking, imagine if I could sit at the beach in a big, comfortable deck chair wearing this and I could edit. I'd say, okay, give me a big screen. Right, bring in some clips, add that here, add some music, add some graphics. Well, you'd still have to have your keyboard and stuff. No, no, this is... This is eyeball moving and gestures and speaking. You don't need to have your computer attached, apparently. Who wants to go to the beach and edit? (laughs) Well, I don't know, but I think it could certainly be an improvement on editing in a small, dark, dank area. (laughs) Can you you see a day when we'll all be walking around in life with these goggles on? Well, I think um, Google Glass was a great idea, and I think when they get that perfected, we certainly all will, because... You imagine walking up to a friend I, you've not seen. I, in... I, I won't be. Well, let me tell you, imagine walking up to a friend you've not seen in in 20 years and you... And I've forgotten their name. Yeah, well, your Google Glass will have their name on the screen and, you know, when you last saw them and what they're up to now and you'll be able to say, you know, what What, what disagreements you've had, what you agree on, whether you found this, but nah. Whether nah, you're a Queenslander nah, nah. or not, so you can step aside on the side of the road and walk past them. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. Hey, look, just very quickly, can yes. we look at these other two yep. uh, uh, news items, which can be pretty quick. But yep. um, anything else coming out from Apple? Is the new iPhone any good? No, nah, I, so, I know they're. they're nah, hey? some pretty some pretty cool new software. Um, some really... I know they've brought out a, a new two new uh, uh, MacBooks. Uh, um, yeah, MacBooks. Apple's um, Apple's taking gr- great um, moves at the moment to um, give us better privacy and better security, and these innovations, I think, when they hit here, will be great. What about this one? Shop of fumes over individually plastic wrapped cucumbers and Woolworths. <laughs> well, I couldn't look, believe I saw this. I think, but apparently, I know they do this because I I sometimes buy these Lebanese cucumbers, whether and, and they actually wrap them in plastic. Now, plastic is the the new six 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 demonic. Um, uh, substance of the secular world. I, I get the plastic <laughs> problem. You go to places in the ocean where there's, there's plastic as big as New South Wales, big plastic dumps in the middle of the ocean. So I get all that. Mm. But they're going off about plastic around the cucumbers. By the way, Hunter, you know why they put the plastic around the cucumbers? Yeah, I did a little bit of uh, research on that. Apparently, the cucumbers will last an extra week longer. That's worth it, isn't it? Well, you know, you have to balance the uh, the whole deal. Do we waste food and we throw food in the bin or keep our food fresh? And I think that's quite a reasonable use of plastic, personally. Actually, I have these containers. I'm a big cucumber eater. Helps me a lot with my new, uh, I don't want to say diet, uh, my new lifestyle changes. And I eat a lot of cucumber. I keep them in a nice big plastic box. So you put there them you in go. that box, they stay yep. fresh for ages, so I don't need the plastic around them. Brilliant, so brilliant. I don't buy cucumbers with plastic anymore. And the rates have gone up again today. I'm trying not to be cranky about oh, that. Dear. But it does annoy me, Harvey. Yep, another quarter because of Because I reckon that here you've got, I'm going to talk about this later on in this program, I'm going to show you some stuff from the Bible, There's some prophetic stuff going on with this. Yep. But, but I, I'll tell you why I'm annoyed. It's like the Reserve Bank Governor living in his mansion in Randwick. Now, I try not to get into class envy. I'm against that. I'm actually an entrepreneur by heart. I had my own business once upon a time before I was a pastor. So I like to have that freedom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. But why do they continue to whack the little guy, the little puncher on the head, mm. when they're not the ones driving inflation, mate. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, it's incredibly frustrating. It's the big companies, it's your utilities, your electric, your gas companies, it's your Woolworths, it's your Qantases. They're the ones driving inflation by just after COVID, just letting their prices 
you know, they're, they're causing their prices to just go through the roof. They're making billions of dollars hunting. Let me. And they are, and they're blaming the little guys. That's us. Now, I, I don't have a big, I don't have a big mortgage, so it doesn't impact me as much. But those people out there, my heart goes to you. I'm sorry. It's not fair. Yes, hunting. Yeah, look, let me make you even matter. I've had a rant. Yeah, I'm about to have a rant now too. Let me make you even matter. In the height of the, the, the coal crazy world prices, $450 a tonne, which is apparently was because of the Ukraine war. Well, guess what? Coal is now $150 a tonne, and yet our power prices are still going up. Please explain. Well, that's because coal's going out and uh, renewables are coming in. I love renewables, but man, 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 how, how can you put my, my power bill up 30%? Exactly. You know what? Here's, here's one more thing, Hunty. Yep. The yep. council, the local council comes in and does a, what do they call it when they do a, I, I know our time's up. Rates, rates assessment? A rates assessment. Do you know that they put up the value of my place 150%? Oh, so in one go, they put up my rates 150%. That's just, so you've got great, fuel though. going through the roof. You've got utilities, electricity, water. Gas going through the roof. Airfares cost a gazillion dollars. Um, houses are going through the roof. Well, jet so fuels, inflation, mm. but inflation is going sky high, but it's these big companies, hunty, mm. whacking the little punter. Yep, yep. Well, jet fuel's now half the price it was back a, a, a year ago, but have the price of the airfares gone down? No. No, they've gone two, three times as much mm. as that. Anyway, no, look, I don't right. want to rant. Yes. All right. But I think it's it's a big call from the Reserve Governor to go and whack the little guys again. And I'll tell you out there right now, and I'm going to talk about it more today. There are a lot of there are a lot of what I call the little people. That's us, Hunty. Mm. They're out there and they are battling to survive. I know and it. I'm with you guys. I'm cheering for you. We're we're with you because we're one of you, right? Aren't that's you? it. We are. We're battling. But what you know what? Uh, when you see technology going through the roof. Uh, when you see pollution going up and you see financially the world just going berserk, look up because Jesus, Jesus is coming soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is a beautiful song, Hunty. Indeed. What the Lord has done for me. I think in bad times like we live now, where a lot of us are out there struggling. It does us good to take a step back. We can rant and we can get annoyed like I do. I do. I think I get righteously indignant. Is that such a word? Oh, look, you know, I'm with you, mate. I'm, I'm so with you on that. Yeah, righteously indignant at what, what the authorities, what our governments, what the authorities, mm. what they're doing mm. out there. But, but you know what I do, and I think it's important to do, yep. I step back and I want to remember all the blessings God's given me anyway. Yep. I do live somewhere where I am warm. Yep. I have food. In my tummy. Yep. I can just, at the moment, I'm on the edge hunting, but just pay my bills with my tax return, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense, mate. Yeah, yeah. So I am just surviving, but I am surviving, and I praise the Lord in this song, what the Lord has done for me. From Hillsong, actually, they sing this song. It's their song. We sing it in our church, though, don't we, honey? We do. Beautiful song. I think you'll enjoy it. the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the blind say 
can see It's what the Lord has done in me Beautiful indeed. And and it, it does help you when you're struggling in life to remember the Lord is doing big things in you and he's blessing us. If you follow Jesus, 
and he's your Lord and Savior. He, he'll bless you, and he's going to see you through these hard times. But hard times they are. i got a feeling they're going to get harder, and I think the need for Jesus in our lives, I'm talking to average, ordinary Aussies, mm. the need for Jesus in our lives to get through what's coming is becoming quite acute. And uh, I'm just happy I've got him. And it's a great relief for me and a great comfort as I struggle with what the authorities are doing to us. Mm. And there's not much we can do about it. Um, every week now, Hunty, I've been trying to get a, a little testimony of someone who's found Christ. Yeah. This girl was a Hindu, a Brahmin, which is actually um, the very highest caste of the Hindu okay. religion. And I actually did some Bible studies with a Hindu Brahmin and had the joy and the privilege of watching them meet Jesus Christ. He's now a very important part in our church, Hunty. Yes. Um, he's a chairman of our building committee. We're, we're hoping at our church to build a new church, although who knows how that's going to go, Hunty, the way the world is. Hmm. Um, but th this, this is a girl. Uh, I, I'm taking it. She's from India. Yep. And she met Jesus. And she's a pretty straightforward talker, this girl. And her testimony is powerful, it's interesting, and it's challenging. For some, it might be very challenging. Let's listen to what she has to say, Humpy. Yep. Praise the Lord. You can be seated for some time. I'm going to share my testimony here. My name is Uma Murthy. I'm going to share my long testimony, but in a very short manner, just in brief. Uh, I hail from Chennai. I was born and brought up in a very orthodox Hindu Brahmin family. And the way the Lord touched me was very different and very miraculous. I was born as a last daughter among the four daughters in my family. Least but not the, uh, you know, the Lord chose me. I don't know why. I used to wonder why Lord, why me? Because all my other sisters are much more better. But the Lord said... I choose the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. It so happened, the best part is, we all studied in Christian convent schools right from our kindergarten. And I was surrounded with a lot of Christian friends who used to share the gospel to me every day, almost. And I just used to take it in this year and leave it off in the other year. Because I was such a stubborn Hindu. Like, you can never see my forehead without the vibhuti, kungumam, and saffron, etc., etc., Every day I used to go to those temples and worship those idols. I used to chant a lot of mantras and slokas. I used to say the Gayatri Mandram. I used to sing praises to all those idols. So I was such a stubborn person. I thought I was sinless. I was so pious. I thought I was so holy, actually. And it so happened in the year 1998 when I was doing my 12th grade. Uh, just for the fun part of it, I just went for an SU camp. The message actually fortunately touched me. It was a message shared by a sister from Isaiah chapter 45. She said, the Bible says that we cut wood from a tree. One part of the wood, we make an idol and we worship it. And the other part of the wood, we just use it as firewood for cooking. We are actually worshipping the created object and not the creator. So if you have brains, think and see. She pointed out to me in front of the whole crowd among my friends. So I felt so bad that day. If you have brains, you can imagine, you know, somebody pointing out when you are a teenager. So that night, you know, I had a sleepless night. So out of a critical mind, 
to just research and criticize i just opened the bible started reading it because i never understood all these things when my friends said because no one can convert another person because nowadays you know they say christians convert others but it's not possible i'm a proof for that because conversion doesn't happen by compulsion it is a conviction of the heart right so uh, salvation is a lords the bible says that so it so happened when i started reading the bible for the first time in my life i got to know that idol worshiping was a sin i've never known that I, how can i create an object and ask the creator to come and sit into that such a big great god who created me who wants to carry me okay i want to carry him now how can i do that okay for the first time in my life i got to know that i was formed with sin in my mother's womb because i was so proud i was sinless i was pious and holy and the second thing which really touched me was i can call this god as my own father the god of the bible is my father my appa my abba father i had when i was a hindu i used to call the names of a thousand gods almost 33 crows gods i was worshiping but no god did i have a personal relationship like how i have with my jesus i got to know only this jesus wants me to have a personal relationship with me no other god can do that and above all i had a surprising news that i can worship this god however i am wherever i am in whichever form i am like whether i am clean or not physically because you know most of the times in hinduism when the women are unclean during certain days they are not allowed into the holy sanctuaries the temples etc etc even islam follows that i suppose but it was real news good news to me that i can worship this god irrespective of my physical uncleanliness i can just worship him anywhere however i am he sees only my heart not my physical uncleanliness and he doesn't expect my sacrifices because he has already sacrificed himself on the cross of calvary i needn't climb the himalayas i needn't get myself dipped into the ganges i needn't go to the sabarimalai and do all those sacrifices for him because he sacrificed for my sins he carries me i need not carry him so on that day i accepted jesus christ as my personal savior and the lord spoke to me from 2 Corinthians 5:17 that if any of you is in Christ he is a new creation the old is gone and everything has become new so that day when the lord spoke to me i'm again stressing this nobody told me to do take baptism the lord spoke to me to take baptism from 2 Corinthians 5:17 that day i got baptized as well as with the holy spirit and the journey wasn't that good you know the christian path is such a narrow tough path of course a lot of persecutions a lot of tribulations a lot of cries you know most of the days my restrooms were my prayer rooms it was so tough the journey again long story made short but finally you know the lord was going carrying me and he guided me in my profession in my education he made me a lecturer and everything and the my, my parents were seeing this and slowly they accepted the lord and they started praying for my marriage and i was so stubborn i will get married only to a born again believer and according to my parents wish to get me married to a brahmin convert according to their hearts desires the lord fulfilled their hearts desires too and god has given me a good husband good children he's given me everything of course there is problems this side and that side and everywhere but you know the lord is holding me 
he is guiding me he is besides me okay i can never be put to shame anywhere because wherever i was put to shame he honored me he he's never let me down anywhere he has been so faithful so good a god of faithful promises he is as for me and my household we will worship the lord amen all glory to jesus amen you're listening to the Aussie pastor here on faith fm It's a big deal, Hunty, when you meet Jesus like she had, has done. It's a real big deal. And you can kind of feel the passion inside of her. She talks about the difference Jesus has made in her life. So I don't share these testimonies to stir people up from these uh, other faiths. I, I'm not, I don't believe in that sort mm. of approach. What, mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm trying to do is show the power of what happens to your life, the wonderful things that happen to your life when you invite Jesus into your heart, that he becomes your Lord and Saviour, and he becomes the God you worship. You get peace. He, he, he'll he complete you. Mm. He is everything. And if, if you're listening to this program today and you have never tried Jesus, it's a simple prayer. Jesus, come into my heart. I'm here. Uh, show yourself to me. And Jesus will come and he'll do for you what he did for that woman. Mm. And you'll be just as passionate for him as she is. Uh, and that's what this song is about that we're about to hear now from Joseph Larson, American, really talented American singer, actually. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. And truly, when you have him, it is a thrill. He thrills my heart. He thrills my soul. Who can cheer my heart like Jesus? Jesus, by His presence, all divine, He's so true, true and tender, pure and precious. I can call Him mine. to call Him mine. Sing that again. Who can cheer? Who can cheer the heart?
on, sing it with me. Love of Christ so freely given. Grace of God beyond degree. Listen now, His mercy higher worship music. Actually, where that's recorded, Hunty, they're actually in church singing. Nice. If you want to get a sense of what church is like, what the worship is like, you just got it right then. And it's fantastic. That's why church is so powerful, because it's it's, it's people coming together, and you have them worship like that. And I'll tell you what, you're walking straight into the throne room of God. Very, very powerful. We got Harold Harker there, mate? We do. You there, Harold? How are you going? Going fine. It's good to talk to you again. You too. It's amazing, my friend. We've got, have you got that counter going? Yes, you yeah, have, oh, Hunty. You're on fire, mate. <laughs> it's going, buddy. <laughs> uh, we've got, we've got Hunty in Sydney. We've yep. got you in Newcastle, Harold, and I'm up in Brisbane. Brisbane. And it's going to all the world. That's right. Yes. Did you ever think that we would have technology like this? Harold, through your, what, how long were you a pastor? 30, 40, 50 years? I don't know. I've been a pastor, you guess it, for about 60 years. Wow. Come on, really? 60 yeah. years, Harold? Yep. Well, could you have imagined a time when we would have technology at our hands like this to take the story of Jesus to the world? No way. This is, God has used it for this special time. It's unbelievable. Hey, welcome to the program today. We're going to talk about Galileo. Uh, how do you say his name? Galileo. Gal- Galileo. Galileo. We call him Galileo. So you call him Galileo. Galileo. That's his. So I think we've all heard of this guy somewhere, even if we don't know a lot about him. When, when, and where was Galileo born? Well, he was born in 1564 in the town of Pisa. That's the one that has the Leaning Tower. I remember going there with you. Yep. Many years ago, you took us to the to the Tower of Pisa, and I remember getting a, a shot where I had my hand up against the tower. <laughs> like a kind of, we all do that, don't we, there? Yeah. Um, I think they had to close it because the thing was going to fall over. Is that right? They've now stabilised it, and you can go up it again. And yeah. Okay. Well, when we were there, we couldn't go up, so we never got that joy. Um, was he well-educated? Probably silly question, that one. 
like most of these big people we know, they've all been to university, and he was another one. He went to university as well. But this is where it gets interesting. He never finished his degree, right? No, he didn't. He was started to do medical studies, but he left in 1585, so he would have been 21, and he didn't finish his degree. <laughs> Bad boy. Um. So how did he earn a living? If, if he didn't finish his degree, what happens? Well, he started to be a teacher, and he gave private instruction in a couple of places in Florence and Siena, so he was like a private lecturer. Actually, it would have been a big deal, wouldn't it? in retrospect, being privately tutored by Galileo. Sure. <laughs> um, what did he become in 1589? Now, because he's such a complex character and he's into, uh, I mean, this guy is is one of the great scientists of history. Yeah. Uh, we, we're trying to keep this simple. So we are skipping over large sections of his life and probably in the, in the 10, 15 minutes we've got not giving him the, the credit. Jew, but what did he become in 1589? Well, he was 25 years old and he became the professor of mathematics at Pisa University. Without a degree, Harold? Without a degree, yes. So they must have been really more pragmatic than we are today and prepared to put a man in because he could do the job. Well, he could do the job and he knew all about it too. He knew more, he actually knew more than the university. <laughs> What did he learn by dropping a stone? Or they say he did this. I don't know whether it's legend or not, but what do they say he learned from dropping a stone from the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Well, he learned that if you went up the top and dropped a big rock or a little one, they both went down at the same speed. And so the force of gravity, it didn't matter on the weight. Yeah, which was an amazing and astounding and a staggering discovery at that time, Um who did he oppose scientifically and how did that go over with the authorities? I found this really interesting. Well, he didn't like Aristotle and mm. so he, he was kicked out of the university because he was in opposition to Aristotle and his beliefs of the universe and so on. And interestingly, when we look back on it, uh, Galileo was right and Aristotle was often wrong, correct? Correct. What position did he then take up? Uh, um, in 1592. Well, he was then 28 years of age and he became again the professor of mathematics, this time at Padua University, and he stayed there for 18 years. Yeah, and by the way, this, he is starting to uh, garner a fair bit of opposition amongst the church and the authorities of, of those times by now, correct? For sure, yes. So what did he invent that we still use today? He, he invented the telescope. And he began looking at all the stars with it. Yeah, yeah, amazing, really. Um, I thought I'd give you this question so you could give us just a bit of a rough idea of the prowess of the man. Uh, what are some of the amazing things Galileo discovered about the heavens? And it is amazing, really. Well, he, he found, just like Copernicus had done once before, that the Earth and all the planets go around the sun. And that was in opposition to the church. Because the church would say all the planets went around the earth. Is that That's correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, I was thinking about this, uh, Galileo's discoveries. The creation narrative, though, the earth is still the centre of this galaxy, isn't it? Because the sun was made for the earth. Even though we go around it, the sun, the stars and the moon, am I correct, theologically, were made for the earth. 
Yes, they're made for it, but we all go around the sun in this one, all the planets. That's correct. Yep. Yeah, so scientifically we go around the sun, but we, we shouldn't lose sight theologically that, the, that, that all these other extraterrestrial planets and stars and suns, the Bible in Genesis once says, were made for us. Although, we, as you were saying correctly and Galileo discovered, um, they do go around the sun. Now, how did the church feel about what we would say are simple scientific facts now, but how did they feel about these discoveries that Galileo was making? Well, when he found, he looked at Jupiter and found four satellites going around Jupiter. And so the Earth wasn't the center. And the church really started to dig in and say, hey, you can, you, you're a heretic. Um, and yet all he's doing is making observations and coming up with scientific facts about what's ha- actually happening. Um, did this opposition worry Galileo? Did it silence him? Did, was he cowered by it? Because it's a, back in those days, I just want to let our listeners know, it was a fairly serious thing to go up against the church and guys like Huss and Jerome and Tyndall and others paid for it with their lives, correct? Well, because of that, he'd been warned to stop moving into that heavenly realm and so he became a bit silent. He just didn't spread it anymore. He believed it, but he wasn't going to be the, the first one to, to tell everyone. So in 1632, he gets the big summons from the Pope and he has to go to Rome. What was it about his teachings that Rome opposed? Was it just this idea that the earth wasn't what everything revolved around? Yes, it was. It was what was the centre of, quite, the universe as they saw it. And whereas scientifically we would say it today, and Galileo was saying it's the sun, they're arguing, as I say, it was the, it was the earth. That's right. Uh, was he put on trial for his beliefs? Yes, he was, actually. And I've been to the church where he was put on trial, and uh, it's not far from the Pantheon. And uh, he was put there by the, you'd call it the Inquisition at that stage, yeah. So is his life in danger when this is happening? Oh, yes, absolutely. And did he realise it? He realised it, and uh, he just had to say, okay, well, where it is. So he went quiet. But the church never went quiet. They continued to hound him. Is that correct? Have I got that right? Yep. How was Galileo's health as this was unfolding? Well, he was a sick, very sick man by this time. Remember, he's probably late in his 60s, which was very old at that time. So when did he die and how? Well, he died in 1642, and uh, that just happened to be the same year that Isaac Newton took up what he had done and continued it and, and showed that where the sun was and the earth and all the planets and so on. So Isaac Newton, who, did, was Isaac Newton born the year he died or was that, how did that work? He was born the year that Galileo died, yes. So Isaac Newton got a hold of his work and kind of carried it on, is that correct? Well, he did his own exploration, his own experiments, but did carry it on. What was his reputation from the from the Catholic Church from Rome when Galileo died? What was his reputation when he died? Well, he was a heretic, and he was told he was a heretic there, yeah. So if he'd stayed alive, there would have been a fair chance they would have put him to the stake anyway? Correct, yeah. Wow. So what did the Catholic Church do in 1992? Because I think this is significant. So we're, we're talking modern-day contemporary times now. Just over 30 years ago, 
and they took the action to formally absolve him of heresy. So he's now not a heretic because the church changed its mind because science has proved it. Might have been a wise decision from the church, I think, (laughs) in the the light of science. Um, What can we learn from Galileo's life? And I'm going to ask you a question without notice too. I hope that's all right. Fine. I, I believe you can see Galileo was one who saw God's hand in it and he, I would say today, he saw science wasn't in opposition to the Bible and to God. Two quick sub, you know, sub questions that I never warned you about here. Um, do you think the church should be more careful when it comes to delving into science, even today? Sure, I believe. While we take the Bible first, uh, science—if you really look at science properly—it will talk about God, who was the Creator and started it all. Okay, so so you think we should be careful as a church when it comes to scientific? Um, <laughs> Conclusions. Galileo, is there any evidence that he was a believer? Well, he was part of the church of that time, but I believe the Bible and his worship would have seen God in this because the church kept saying, this is what's in the Bible, you see. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an interesting, he's had an interesting life. And as I said, he, he had a lot of scientific discoveries that we haven't looked at today, Harold. Um, in some ways, when you sent me all those notes, he almost the notes almost went over my head. Do you know what I mean? This guy was so intelligent, so before his time, and I think it'd be fair to say as we conclude this, we have a lot to thank him for. Is that right? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, thank you, Harold, for coming and sharing with us today. You'll be back next week? Sure will. See you then. Do you know, do you know what we're going to talk about you're next week? You're listening to the Aussie Pastor oh, here on Faith FM. Yeah, you, you called, jumped me, Hunty. I was calling it short. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Harold. That was Hunty. We'll say goodbye to you, Hi, brother. Uh, the funny thing is that's by nature our good mate, Hunty, too. That's, is what, I, mate. that's what I do, wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. Throw right. under the bus and then back back over, hey? <laughs> yeah, right, we've got another visit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Michael, our next guest is already queued up. All right. Okay, let's let's, um, let's have a look at this beautiful a, song. Let's get a song. Um, yeah, hmm. yeah. I like this song. I do. What a beautiful name. We've sung it a few times in church. Um, yep. I think you'll enjoy it. This is a, a couple of well, Reese Oliveira, and he's singing it with some kids, and they can really sing. Yep. Enjoy it. Heaven without us 
So Jesus, you brought heaven down. That's okay. Beautiful um, song indeed. Yeah, I want to welcome Pastor Michael Worker to the program today. Are you there, Michael? Yes, I'm here. Lloyd, nice to be with you again, mate. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to remind our listeners and our viewers, one of the things that I have against you. <laughs> yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> don't, don't think I forgot this. <laughs> Until he came to college. Now, I think you came to college university... In my last year, and this was your first year, is that correct? Uh, I think we had, maybe it was two years. I, what, what year did you come? 90. No, that's my last year. Okay. I had reigned supreme <laughs> as the squash champion at that place. And I will not forget, not only did Michael Worker beat me, he humiliated me. I love it. And, and probably could have beaten me both left and right-handed because you're a bit of a squash player back then. You've still just got in my estimation, Michael. <laughs> I, I have uh, given that away. I, uh, have you ever gone on and got onto the court and played, you know, in the last year or two? No, no. 
I think the the last time I played, oh, must be six or seven years ago now. So, oh, man, I, I got on a couple of years ago, Hunty, if, if that, is that right? And yeah, it yeah. It was awful, man. Oh, we both got on a few years ago. It was a disaster. It, it was awful. I'd be interested to see how you go because you went pretty high in the squash uh, world, didn't you, really? You were playing state championships, is that correct? Yeah, I, I played in a couple of national championships um, playing, representing a state, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and what do you do now? Do you, are you still into sport or is that as you've got old and it's a kind of disappeared out of your life? Um, the, these days I'm into cycling. I was um, doing weight training. Um, then COVID hit, they closed the gyms and uh, it was hard to get motivated at home in a cold garage in the mid- middle of a Melbourne winter. So I started yeah. riding riding a push bike and haven't looked back on that. Do you race or is it just recreationally or a bit of both? Oh, I haven't bothered getting into races. I, um, yeah, it's just recreationally. I still, still get into it, but, um, and part of a social cycling club, which is, which is a lot of fun, uh, catching up with the, the guys on a Sunday and when the weather's permitting a Thursday night. Yeah. Now I want to get into this, but I just want to ask, uh, 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 uh another question before we get in, just give some people an idea. Mm. How many Ks would you cycle a week on a, just an ordinary week? When you're not, if you're not getting ready, because you've been on a couple of these long journeys where you're raising money for cancer or whatever, you know those sorts of, um, mm. uh, those sorts of causes. But in a normal week, how many k's would you ride? I'm I'm trying to keep up an average of about 300 k's, so just a couple. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot. Of, so how many k's a day? Is that 50 a day, more or less, or a bit oh, more? Yeah, just over 40. Uh, okay. I, I, I'll give you one one insight. My my bike goes further than my car in a year. Wow. <laughs> uh, yes, and you're a guy who does do some caves too on, uh, on the car. Not, I not mean, really, not not okay. these days. Okay. Um. And and average speed when you're when you're on a ride like that. Mm. Um. If if I'm up in the hills, um, it's probably about twenty five. If I'm on the flat, it's getting toward twenty eight to thirty. Okay. I've started cycling uh, a while ago now. Um, That's good. Yeah, I, I put on a lot of weight um, and I've been losing it and I've found it a lot more comfortable with the weight off and on. Um, yeah. uh, but I find cycling really good aerobically. It, it mm. really gives your lungs a workout and I appreciate that. Hey, I've got you on because you're the um, Religious Liberty Director of the Adventist Church for Australia. Is that correct? That's one of your jobs. You have a few jobs, but that's yes. one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you about some of the things that are happening with the law, with the government, uh, with religion, and with LGBT, and some of these other issues uh, that are a challenge to the church. Um, and I thought I'd just start off by asking you a simple question: What does the Bible? And, and I know that some who are listening to this will will find it challenging, but I think if you listen with an open heart, you'll you'll see that uh, I'm not just the church but this man michael worker has the heart of people because people matter and i thought just start by saying what does the bible say about sexuality or doesn't it say anything yeah look it's it's a really interesting area lloyd and as you say it's a bit of a hot topic and it's it's one that um can be contentious um but you know as as seventh day adventists we try and take the, the bible at its word and and seek to live our lives according to that and I guess the first thing is is really what what we see in the Bible is that the Bible says that, that sexual activity 
um, belongs in a marital relationship. That's that's the healthiest and and best place for it to occur. And that we we believe that the Bible teaches that that marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, some societies have said have a different definition, and and we respect that society is allowed to say that. But what we're trying to say is. Your question is, what does the Bible say about it? And, and that's what we believe the Bible teaches. If that is what the Bible teaches, is it possible for churches, say like the Adventist Church and other Christian denominations, to demonstrate the character of God and show love to, to all people while remaining true to these paradigms that the Bible, these doctrines, these truths the Bible sets up? And and, and I think that that's really important because a church should be a place that anyone is welcome, you know, where you can come and worship God, you, you can experience community and, and, and a place of belonging. And, and certainly we, we saw that, that Jesus welcomed everyone, you know, um, that the, the people that even society had cast out were welcome in Jesus' presence. And then he called him, them to follow him and to follow his teachings. And, and so one, one of our challenges in society where it's sort of, it's always us and them, isn't it? You know, it's always Ford and Holden. It's always Blues and, and whatever that other team is. Um, <laughs> um, I'd be happy to remind you what that other team is, but we'll, we'll, we'll continue. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and Apple and PC, and, and it's always yeah. society likes to put one side against another, but how do we change that narrative? How do we all get along together? How do we coexist in society? Because... And, and understand each other. Sometimes we have to respect each other's differences and, and have good, robust conversation. And so for me, it's really important that it's, that it's not about us and them and we believe this and, and, and all the rest of that. And so I think how we engage in discussion, how we engage in dialogue is, you know, it, it, it it's how we can demonstrate God's character, you know, and, and, uh, you know, not being characterized as hateful people or, or, or people who are just against things, but just trying to live out our values and principles based on what we believe the Bible genuinely says. Which is not always easy to do. Uh, in fact, sometimes the great, would it be fair to say sometimes the greatest challenges are to love those genuinely who see it diametrically differently than you do, completely differently. It's not easy, is it? Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, history is littered with those, those kinds of situations where it's easier to spend time with people who we agree with, who we're similar to, who yeah. we, who, because that makes it easier. But, but living in that place, um, of dialogue, of discussion, um, of, of understanding each other's perspective and walking in each other's shoes, uh, I, I think, you know, the gospel message has something really powerful to offer in that space. I think it was Jesus who said, if you, if you don't love one another, well, then basically you're not of me. Yeah. Um, and, and it is a challenge. Um, what does it mean then? If, if the church is going to make this stand on marriage and say marriage is between a man and a woman, what does that mean for those who work for the church? People like you and me, Hunty and others, what does that actually mean? Yeah, well, you know, and, and certainly as a church, um, we would be of the view that if you can't sit comfortably with what, as a church, we say the Bible teaches and, and you're not happy to live that and represent that in your day-to-day -day work, well, then maybe um, 
it's not the right place to be. You know, it, it's hard to be um, representing an organisation whose values and beliefs you, you don't align with. And that's becoming increasingly challenging, Lloyd, because there are laws starting to be passed in some states and territories in Australia that are actually forbidding um, faith-based organisations to actually um, bring their whole set of beliefs to the workplace. And, and you know, that's a real pressure point in society as we're, as we're trying to navigate what does that mean uh, for us as a church who runs all manner of different institutions and organisations. So oh, I guess it's fair to say the position of the Adventist church is similar to the other Protestant churches of Australia on marriage and LGBT issues. Would that be fair? Look, the vast majority, I think that the vast majority of Christian faiths would uphold the same biblical principles that we're upholding when it, when it comes to, to sexuality. Um, there, there is some variation. You know, there are a couple of um, denominations that, that would take a different view that would put yeah. love, pastoral care, mission, ministry above a biblical teaching or, or would not hold um, as strictly to thus saith the Bible as, yeah. as what we may do or what, you know, many Christians might do. So, so there is a range of views and, and um, perspectives out there. Okay, well, well, moving on, and you've kind of already hinted there could be challenges here. Does state and federal government support the position of the churches, of our church? It's, it, it's, yes and no. <laughs> and, and that's really interesting, you know, like as a, the federal government many years ago, um, gave its support to the idea of the ICCPR, the International Covenant, um, that outlines freedom of religion and the right for parents to have their children educated in in a educational setting that supports their values and beliefs. Mm. That freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of expression is protected. But at a federal level and in New South Wales and South Australia, that um, support for the ICCPR has not actually been brought about in in legislation. And so when these matters are challenged, um, we actually have to rely on the goodwill of international law rather than saying within Australian law there there is protection. And, and unfortunately, we're getting to a point where the balancing of the freedom of human sexuality and the freedom of religion and, and finding the appropriate intersection and balance between the two is getting out of kilter where some of our states and territories are actually elevating the freedom to human sexuality above freedom of religion. And if the two, if the two um, disagree with each other, then the freedom of human sexuality um, suppresses the, the freedom of religion and freedom of religious expression. How does it seem to you, because you're involved as deeply as any church leader in Australia with this, how does it seem to you that this is going to go, or is that probably not a good idea to, you know, guess at the future? Well, yeah, look, there's a number of states and territories that have passed laws that have basically said that, that outside of clergy, um, that we can't discriminate on sexual expression when, when it comes to, to employment. Um, and, and certainly, you know, here, here in Victoria, 
when the changes to the Equal Opportunity Act um, were, were passed, that, that was made very clear in some of the conversations around the Australian Law Reform Commission, which released their preliminary report in January this year, basically saying we, we have the right to discriminate on what somebody eats, but, but not who they sleep with. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's challenging, I think, for the church. Yeah. Very challenging. So what are you saying? You, you think in the end the rights of sexuality in our culture and in our society and in our world here in Australia will superimpose themselves over the rights of religion or do you think we'll be able to come back to a balance where both can live with each other with a degree of comfort? I, I, I'd like to be optimistic and say we're going to get it right and, um, you know, certainly the, the Federal Labor Government uh, made an election promise a couple of years ago that they were going to re reintroduce the religious discrimination bill in their first term of office. And, uh, yeah, they're, I, I, they're partway through their term of office and I, I guess we'll see where, whether that comes about. But, but in the meantime, I, I think that the direction of society at the moment and, and, and even, you know, within the pews, with, within, within Christian churches, there, there, there is certainly a trend toward the individual's right to freedom of sexuality being seen as a higher level human right because really the freedom of sexuality and the freedom of, of religion are both basic human rights and, and they should appropriately intersect. And I guess what one person thinks is appropriately intersect and what another person does is different. I, I think from, from my perspective, I see it getting out of balance where um, the, the, the right, the basic human right to freedom of sexuality is eclipsing the right of the church to yeah. uphold its, its beliefs and teachings in a reasonable manner. And um, I, I'm not sure that the pendulum's about to swing back in the near future, May, maybe in, in, in the Further distant future, it will, but at the moment, the, the, the trend is certainly in that direction. So where does that leave the church when it comes to hiring staff? If Will, will there be a school? If, as we're talking about the rights of people with their sexuality and the rights of people with their religion, if the rights of people's sexuality superimposes itself over the rights of religion, can, a, say, a, a school system, a Christian school system, live under that jurisdiction and under those paradigms or does it start to become impossible? I think a lot of faith-based schools are starting to really wrestle with that. What does that mean for us? And at what point does our desire to deliver values-based, faith-based education um, to young people and, and their families and the restrictions that are placed by, by some of these laws, where does that intersect? Where do they start asking the question, can we stay in, in, in this industry? Can we continue to provide, um, educational services that, that, that are genuinely aligned with what we, what our worldview is, what our beliefs, teachings and, and ethos is? Uh, I don't think we're there yet. You know, I, I don't think we're at a point where we, we can't continue to, um, provide the community with faith-based education, but, you know, maybe in the future that'll be under more pressure. Um, it would put the federal government and the state governments under enormous pressure if the Christian 
schools and churches were to pull their support and close the schools down? Would that be a fair comment? Yeah, look, my, I, I'm not across the specific details, but the last time I looked at it, I think around 30% of students are in private education, of which the large majority of that is faith-based schooling. So, yeah, there would does be... That, does that give the church... Does that give the churches... I'm going to talk generally churches when I'm talking, not just mm-hmm. our church. Does that give the churches some uh, traction with the government when they're talking? I, I think it, it gives us a seat at the table to have a conversation about how we balance the competing rights appropriately. Does does it give us... Um, uh, sway over the government i think less and less so i think in the past probably the 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 christian schooling sector or the faith-based schooling sector if we we include other world religions has had more influence but certainly what we've seen in in victoria when concerns were raised about the 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 latest changes to the equal opportunity act it, it it after making all of our representations and and uh, raising our concerns, the, you know, not one word in the draft legislation was changed. It was passed un, unamended. Is, is uh, government in Australia, I don't know whether you can even answer this question, but is government in Australia hostile to religion? I, I'm talking generally. I'm not picking out one particular state or federal. I'm just wondering, the, the general tenure of, of government in Australia, is it hostile to religion or is it wanting to work still with spiritual-based schools and churches? I think there's good constructive conversation going on, Lloyd. I, I think there's, there's, there's room for dialogue, um, but, but I think the worldview has kind of changed to a point where the momentum of society, um, the, the momentum of, of uh, where a lot of media is pushing, a lot of um, very high-profile personalities yeah. is pushing, is is reducing our ability to put forward um, our perspective. And, and I think, you know, as people of faith, we don't want to impose our values on society, mm. but what we want to do is have a voice at the table to say that there needs to be diversity. You know, there needs to be room. If society becomes so vanilla and generic because we cancel or we exclude mm. or we silence any divergent voice, then, then I think we've lost the heart of what it means to be a liberal democracy. I think to, to, to allow room to say we can agree to disagree and, you know, when it comes to delivering faith-based education, Christian education, it, it's a consumer's market, you know. If mums and dads don't like the product that, that faith-based organisations are offering, they can vote with mm. their feet and, and put their, their children in, in other schools. But, but, you know, on a given weekend, probably no more than 10% of the Australian society is in church or a synagogue or a yeah. mosque. But if 30% of children are in faith-based schools, well, well certainly there's, there's something that society is valuing in, in the faith-based education sector that they want. Is it, is it getting dangerous to have conversations like this in the public forum? I, I think as a person of faith, we always have to be respectful in our public discourse. Um, and, and I think 
by and large, if we're respectful, then I think we we can still have good public discourse. I think there are there are people and, and no judgment, but on 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 how each person wishes to enter the public square. But I think there've been some unfortunate statements. There's been some unfortunate methods used to put forward points of view in the public square that I think have been inflammatory. I, I think we we. We have to understand that as a person of faith, um, we are not the majority. We, we, we are a minority group and, and that we have to show respect and courtesy and, and, um, compassion to those that, that we engage in the discussion with. And I'm not sure all of our public discussion has been that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it hasn't. <laughs> um, if last question, um, but then as a leader in the church, and, and you are one of uh, our leaders, what advice would you give Christians as we face these challenges, as we look to the future? I think don't underestimate your voice and your ability to bring about change. Um, you know, there's a, there's an initiative that we're launching in partnership with Freedom for Faith. We're encouraging mums and dads, pastors, educators to go and have a short chat with their local federal MP. Um, or if they don't want to or don't have time or don't feel confident to go and have a, a 15 minute chat, send them a, a personally written email where you say, I'm, I'm concerned about my local Christian school being able to carry out its values in the way it operates or I'm concerned about the fact there's no federal protection for freedom of religion and you know look we, we can we can send out some resources if if anyone wants some resources we can we can send you a link but you know it, can, can we take, put that link can we put that link up let Would me that be appropriate? let me let me suggest this mate um, if you'd like to get this beautiful link and this information just text us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one and we will send you the link ASAP yeah I, I think that's the best way forward I, I think you know we, we we kind of feel powers but if each federal MP heard from 15 20 constituents um, that that were concerned about this these matters um, then I think it would get their attention. I, I, I think it's e- easier to get the attention of your local federal MP than, than we realise, because most people will, will just sit there and go, "What can I do?" Well, well, I think, yeah, we we can quite simply uh, affect change if we're genuinely concerned. Well, um, Pastor Michael Worker, we wish you all the best in a very difficult job in a very challenging environment. Um, we appreciate what you're doing. Um, and we pray that God will give you wisdom of Solomon and mm. the courage of David. How's that sound? Mm. Sounds uh, good. As you leave the church, and, and I hope and pray, and I know you, you've always been open and willing that maybe in six months' time, if we're still around, we, we could get you back on board and get an update of where we're at. Um, and again, I, I thank I thank you for your God-led, spirit-filled leadership. I think it is making a huge difference in this space, and you are an example to the rest of us on how to move forward uh, in an increasingly challenging world. So thank you, mate. Yeah, thanks, Lloyd. Great to catch up. Yeah, God bless. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. 
always challenging hunting. Oh yeah, what a great interview. Thanks, Michael. And I suppose I've I, I've um, blown your time. Haven't That's right. I'll sort it out during this next song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let you introduce this next song. Okay, this girl's one, one of my of your, yes, one of, one of my yeah, absolute like favourite singers from when I was when I was young. Her name's Evie Tornquist, and this beautiful song is called "It hey, Only Takes." Hey, hey, what? What? Hunty, before yeah. you play it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess where she's singing this favourite song of one of your favourite songs? I have no idea where. She's singing this in a Billy Graham evangelistic program. She's up in, as best I can tell, Spokane, Washington. Yep. And there are thousands and thousands of people listening to her. And I reckon when she sang this, she'd be, what, 18, 19, hunting? Yeah, she'd be pretty young. But you know what I really like? She actually does a verse in her native tongue, which I've which never is, heard before. Do you know um, what that is, native tongue is? Is it Swedish? I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is. Good <laughs> guess, <bro. laughs> Go for it, mate. <laughs>
there's a purity, Hunty, oh, to yeah. Evie when she sings. Absolutely Even today. beautiful. I, I, I've seen her recently. She, she's she's older than you and me. Um, and there's still a purity to the way that girl approaches her relationship with Jesus, you know, and she sings beautiful music. She does. Um, and she was all the rage when we were young, wasn't, wasn't oh, yeah. she? Oh, yeah. Big time. Now, this Bible study, you're going to – yes, we're ticking. We're away. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm guessing we lost 30 seconds there. For those who, who are interested, Hunty's got a new program. It's brilliant, isn't it, Hunty? It's um, a pretty cool clock system that we run, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because when we, we went a bit over on that – because it was important. What, well, it's important. Uh, Michael Worker was – yeah, yes. yeah. You know, he's a good bloke, Michael yes. Worker. Yep. Um, I, I, I kind of have to give him what he did to me at college. <laughs> yeah, that's squashed the Taking yeah. away my mantle as a, the king of Avondale when it comes to the squash. I have, yeah, I have forgiven him. God bless you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about what's happening in Australia at the moment with interest rates going up and the struggles that people are having. I want to mm, say mm. some stuff and look at some texts in a couple of minutes. Is that all yep, right, honey? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have never been a conspiracy theorist. That would be fair to state, wouldn't it, mate? Yeah, no, you're very uh, I'm even not killed. into conspiracy theories. Very, very even. Killed. In fact, I generally, yeah, I generally loathe them. Unfounded conspiracy theories are one of the the banes of our society, and they send people down rabbit holes that sometimes they never come out of. Yeah, I'm guilty of going people, down the odd rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, you're not a conspiracy theorist. No, but I do. They, no do they do attract me. Yeah, they do. You don't make much noise. No, not at all. People's whole lives and experiences can be sucked up in what I think is a foolishness. Conspiracy theories have a strange beguiling impact on people. Perhaps it is one way of dealing with the increasing hardships of life. If you notice that, Hunty, the harder mm. life is getting at the yep. moment, yep. more conspiracy theories we're facing. Very true. So I want to give a text to start off with, and this one's found in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12 through to 14. You want to read that for yep. us, Hunty? Yep, sure. Got I it. think you've got it there, have I've you? I've got mate? it. Yep, you ready? Yep, yep, yep. Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do, and don't live in the dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord holy in your life. He's the one you should fear. He's the one you should make you he should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. So if I can give you some advice, don't go down rabbit holes and get caught in conspiracy theories. I've probably just got half our audience offside because Australians <laughs> are big time into conspiracy true. theories, right, Hunty? True, true, very true. A lot yeah. of people in my own church are into conspiracy theories. Hey, God bless them. Should we, should we talk about what the word fear means in that text? It means that, exactly that. Respect, Respect, honor, yeah. Fear. Respect and, and honor. Fear. Yeah. No, genuine fear too, Hunty. Yep. It's, it's gen- we, we can put that in a question. Someone want to ask me, what does it mean to fear God? It actually, the, the fear is a real term, and it, there's nothing wrong with fearing God. If you had to go into his presence, you would fear him in, in every sense. Does Got that it. make sense? Got it, yep. Yeah. Um, however, that being said, it does seem to me that there is a concerted, listen to this, Hunty, yep. organised, concentrated effort to break ordinary Australians financially. Yeah, yeah. This is my observation. Interest rate rises, skyrocketing food prices, out-of-control utility hikes. I mean, that one really bugs me, mate. Mm. 30% rise in my power bill this week. Yeah. How can anyone in this climate, uh, in any sense, justify that? Yeah, we haven't run a heat this winter yet. We probably won't. Yeah. Very sobering. And all these from companies making billions and billions of dollars in obscene profits. Have you noticed that, mate? Yes, uh, very, very true. Uh, I mean, I'm amazed when I listen to the Reserve 
bank governor could be a good guy. But I was amazed when he talked about the way to get through this is for families to leave their homes and all join together and pile in, you know. <laughs> uh, you think what's going through these guys' minds while they sit in their mansions with just a wife and husband, you know what I mean? And, and I don't think we should get into class envy warfare here. As I say, I'm not into that, Andy. No. I don't like it. But it does seem like the, the, there there is something going on. Um, and things are not normal out there. Um, it's almost like democracy has failed and capitalism does not work because there's no responsibility from companies anymore to the corporate, well, to the, to the good of the country. Have you noticed that, Hunt? Yep, it's about, yep, yep. it's about, uh, it's about profits and it's about answering to shareholders yep, yep. and maximizing the money you can Correct. make out there without any thought. And I don't know whether you're noticing on YouTube and places, there's an increasing number of homeless people in Australia at the moment. That's right. And, and it worries me a lot. And the Bible warns about it. That's why I'm talking about this right now, Hunty. The Bible warns this is what it will be like in the last day and then it gives us comfort. Now, if I had more time, I'd go into this a bit more. Auntie, but I yep. want to look at the Bible texts sure. that warn us about it and then the ones that give us uh, comfort. Yep. James chapter 5, yep. brother, yep. verse it. 1. Here's through to verse 6. I'm going to let you read it straight without interrupting because okay, yep. we're running out of time. But yep. here's the warning about what it will be like in the last days and how the wealthy will oppress the middle and the poor class. And yep. it seems to me, Hunty, in Australia, the middle class is having the heart and soul ripped out of them, yep. and we're, we're, we, the middle class, are headed into poverty. That's it. This is what the Bible says. Yep. It'll be like just before Jesus comes. Far away, mate. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire this corroded oh, tre- heavy. <laughs> very heavy yeah this corroded yep. treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment for listen hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay the cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord God of heaven. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. So here's the point, Hunty. God sees what's going on. Yep. If you are suffering, if you're doing it hard, if you've lost your job, if you're headed into homelessness, if you're struggling to put food on the table, if you can't pay your bills, like Hunty said, I haven't turned the heater on this winter, and that's difficult. If you're in that situation, I want to give you comfort today. God hears you. And more than this, this is what he promises. Verse 7, Hunty. Yep. Dear brothers, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. For examples of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honour to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job? A man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. You get that, Hunty? Yeah, wow. God knows your suffering. Yeah, he knows. God will bring judgment on these guys who are bringing unnecessary poverty to the peoples of the world. Yeah. God doesn't take lightly to greed. He never has. No. Um, And interestingly, I think our system of capitalism and democracy demands a certain amount of goodwill from those who have. Yep. 
And that is disappearing in our society and our culture is becoming a very difficult time, place to live. God sees it, but you know what, Hunty? Yep. More than sees it, he says to us who suffer, he says, listen, be patient. I see it. Take comfort. I am coming. There will be judgment. You will not always be like this. And more than that, and I haven't got time to go there today, Hebrews 13, Jesus says, hey, I will never leave you or forsake you. So these times get tough, Hunty. God will be with us. He will walk with us. He won't leave us or forsake us, and soon he will come and save us. Fantastic stuff. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Sometimes, Hunter, you've got to stand still yes. and watch God's Saviour. We are, to, we are going into a time, my friends out there in Radio Land, where we're going to have to step back, stay still, and watch the salvation of the Lord. This is Don Moan singing this song about being still. Under your wings Cover me Within your mighty hands Cause when the oceans rise and thunders roar I will soar with you That was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not bad, is it? Hey, um, ask the Aussie pastor. It's time. 
Have we got any time for it today? Have we blown no, away we, yet? No, we've got five minutes. We've got time. I've got a few good questions You've, you've been flat out, just so our listeners know, you've been flat out <laughs> adjusting time the whole way through this. <laughs> yeah, we yes. have, again, it is fantastic, isn't it, this, this, yeah. this software you've got? Well, the fact that you yeah. and I the fact that you and I are in different parts of the, the world, too, is, is pretty cool as well. Anyway, yeah, okay. let me a quick plug out for our um, contact details. If you want to send us a question... Well, not for today, but for next time, 0488880851. Or you can always email us, and the email address is theaussiepasta at gmail.com. All right, first question. It's from, mate, it's from our mate Dave, uh, Edgar yep. from WA. Dave would like to know, Lloyd, Adam was formed uh, body by God and breath of life equals living soul. Eve was formed Adam's rib, breath of life equals living soul. So is the child in the womb with heartbeat and oxygen from mum still a living soul? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's why I take a, very seriously. What a good question. The, yeah, it is. Um, that's why I take very seriously the life of a baby um, mm. in the mm. womb as it's being formed. I, I believe a baby being formed in the womb is going through creation from the hand of God himself. You know, so I think that's a very sacred thing, and, you, and so the life of a baby, as is your life, those of you who are listening to this, is a very, very sacred thing. At the, have you seen this, the scientific video they just released? At the very instance of conception, there's a little tiny lightning flash. Have you seen that one? That video? No. You better yeah. show it to me, mate. Yeah, it's very cool. At the very, yeah. at the very moment that life begins, there's a tiny little spark in the womb. Yeah. No. Look, God creates babies. There's no doubt about that. Alrighty. Okay, this is a personal question. I'd like to hear you answer this one. Do you have any hobbies? No. <laughs> I reckon you well, do. Correct me. I reckon. What? I reckon you do. I reckon you got a hobby farm. No. Nah. So you. What do I, what, so you don't enjoy going out there and pumping okay, around on the what, tractor. <laughs> what's my hobby on that farm? Well, don't you like to be on the tractor, ripping around, slashing the lawn, nah, or looking after not it? Not a whole lot. No. Nah. Get right. too old for that. Yeah, okay. That's why I'm going to sell it. No, no, I, I'm not just saying I cannot think of a single hobby I have. Uh, Cricket? Okay, YouTube. It, can YouTube be a ho- hobby? Of course, YouTuber. That's a good hobby. I, I, I like watching YouTube. I like reading. Is reading a hobby? Yeah, it can be a hobby too. I'm a prolific reader, but I, I usually read within the context of my spiritual walk with God or to find out stuff for radio or for the television stuff we do or that. Yeah, yeah. You so. can still call yourself a motorcyclist as well. That's a hobby. Mate, I haven't ridden on my motorcycle forever. It's sitting in the. It's actually sitting in the garage for sale. If you want to buy a BMW 800, yep, yep, yep. seven to ninety eight cc. Written, written to church by, written to church by a granny on Saturday. That's all. Even good, Nick. Get hold hey, of this. Hey, hey, that was your. No, no, the granny was on the Harley that you've already sold. That was where the granny was. <laughs> all right. Wanna, shall we talk about that? Or well, we move on? no, we, we'll move on because we only have a couple of minutes left. Um, <laughs> how how can God judge people who have never heard of Him? Oh, I can't answer that. I don't know. How does God open that up even further, Hunty? Yep. How does God judge people? Mm. I don't know. Mm. That's why I think the Bible says don't judge. Yep. You know, all this stuff we've talked about today, I've talked about LGBT, the church, the relationship between. The one thing I can guarantee you, you better not do is start judging others mm. uh, because okay. you're, you're – now, that doesn't mean we can't look at people and make a judgment on their character and whether we want to make friends with them or whether it would be better if we didn't get too close. So that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I, I think this question is asking – just read it again. Yes. Um, how can – God judge people who have never heard of him. 
Well, God's God, and I have no idea how he judges any of us, whether you've heard of him or not. And that really is my answer. I don't know. How can I? I'm, I'm not God, Humpy. Okay. All right, yeah. last, um, last question. Do you think there's any problems with indigenous religions? Oh, that's a <laughs> that's a hot one to give me, Humpty, with what, one minute you've got, 34? Yeah, you've got yes. 90, 90 seconds. Yes, I do. In fact, I'll go further. I think there's huge problems with religion full, full stop on this planet, mate. Yep. Uh, not just indigenous religions. Um, yes, indigenous religions are generally very, very heavily... Um, heavily into the occult, the spirits, the spirits of the dead and all that sort of stuff. Yep. But you want to know something, Hunty? Yep. So is our culture. If you go and really? look at Hollywood, they oh, are yeah. constantly throwing stuff out there of witches and yep. wizards. Yep. Hey, you know what, Hunty? Yep. I think we will look at this subject because it's a worthy one next week as the main theme of our program. Yeah, cool. Let's not just look at the indigenous religions. Though. Let's look at indigenous religion, religion and the occult. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and I think we'll all – that'll be challenging. But there's no doubt as we close today, Hunty, and go into our last song, What the Lord Has Done For Me, that in my view, and this is my view and this is my perspective, and it's certainly what the Bible shares, Jesus is the only answer, mate. Yep. You will not find any answer in any of these Eastern religions. You will not find the answer anywhere but in Jesus Christ. He will complete you. He will change you. And more than that, hunty, he will save you. Amen. No sure. one, you cannot be saved outside of Jesus. And that's yep. why this last song, is so powerful from yep. Marshall Hall. Yep. Because when you have that experience and Jesus saves you, then you can sing what the Lord, what Lord, what the Lord has done for me. Let the poor say I am rich, let the blind say I can see, it's what the Lord has done to me. Let the weak say I am strong, let the poor say I am Say I can see it's what the Lord has.
Seen a powerful, powerful testimony of what it's like to have Jesus, God Himself, come inside of you. He does everything for you. He is everything. He will complete you. He will rebuild you, and He will save you. Love, love that song, and love the Jesus mm-hmm. He's uh, singing about. Hey, Hunty, yeah, mate. What's happening at New Hope on July eight? Oh, July eight. Is that our big Faith FM day? It is. And as we close our program today, if you live in Sydney, I want to invite you for this incredible day. Starts at 10 o'clock Saturday, July 8. Robbie Bergen will be there. We'll be there. Hunty will be there. And we're going to have a celebration of everything Faith FM. And if you are a listener and you live in Sydney, what are we doing, Hunty? For Samuel Place, Quakers, you'll be there. Where is it? For Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, behind the alley, be there. We'll talk about, yeah, we're going to talk about that a whole lot more next week. We will, we will. That's for sure. Let me close with a prayer. Lord, bless us as we leave now this show. I pray, God, that you'll come into our hearts and change us as Marshall Hall just sang and that, Lord, you'll give us the peace that can only come from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty, and I'm Men in, men in Black, and I love you, and we love you. He's, he's a techie. That's Let's it. say that again. You've got to say the techie, bro. <laughs> sure. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. Yeah, and my name's Hunty, and I'm the techie. And? And we love you, but, but Jesus loves, loves you, you so much so, from all. So, 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 so much more. See, See you, you next, next time. time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv.